Welcome to the PT Ascent Podcast. This is Dr. Josh Simons, physical therapist. And today on the show, we have Dr. Tim Wu. Dr. Tim Wu is a physical therapist in Rancho Cucamonga, California. He is the owner of SoCal Bike PT. And his mission, to help avid cyclists who are in pain get back to training at the highest level and doing the rides they love. So please welcome Dr. Tim Wu and enjoy the podcast. And we are live. Hey, hey. Dr. Tim Wu in the house. What's up? Happy to be here. Awesome, man. How's everything on the uh, the Pacific side? So sunny Southern California this time of year is hot as hell as usual, and I love it. So I'm a happy guy. It's 90 degrees outside, 94 degrees outside, and beautiful. <laughs> Sweet, man. And you're in Rancho Cucamonga, is that right? Yeah, so I'm in Rancho Cucamonga. It's in this area of Southern California called the Inland Empire. It's about 35 miles east of downtown Los Angeles, um, home of the Mount Baldy mountain, mountain Range and the uh, Auto Club Speedway. If you watch NASCAR, that's actually right down the street. So it's a big NASCAR town that time of year. But the rest of the time, it's... Um, all the people who don't want to live in LA but work there, that's where we live. Yeah, I was doing a little bit of research on it actually, slash creeping, and I found out, I guess you're pretty much like border that, I don't, what was that mountain range? The uh, Yeah, so it's like the San Gabriel Mountains. At ho- it's home to Mount Baldy, which one is like one of the best mountains in California. They use it for the tour of California every year, so it's a big hub of like cycling like southern california is one of the like hubs in the united states that there's just a ton of people is one of the most popular kind of sports around here and especially in the competitive realm for racing like everyone who does super well you can source them a lot of them back from this area of southern california so it's a bit of a hotbed here uh, like boulder colorado is another place um those are kind of two of the biggest ones for like cycling talent to come out of this country okay now are you from that area Born and raised. All so right. I was actually born in San Bernardino, which is about 10 miles that way, a little bit uh, east of here. Uh, and then I lived in Rancho Cucamonga since 1995, like the same, like I like five miles that way, like since 1995. I did spend two years in college at uh, Berkeley College of Music in Boston. So I lived in Boston for two years. I learned East Coast winters are not my thing and flat land is not my favorite. So moved back to Southern California. Um, and then just bought a house back in December, like at the foot of the mountains. So I can go into the mountains every day, which I do basically. And I went in there in the mountains today for a two and a half hour ride. And it's how I start every day as much as I can. And I love it. That's sick. Wait, so you, did you go to Berkeley College of Music? Yeah. So my first actual like profession was as a musician. Yeah. Really? What, what did, yeah. what did you do? What did you do? Um, so I played, my primary instrument was drums. I still have drumsticks sitting in my closet here. <laughs> um, so I played drums was my main instrument. I also played bass. Um, I did a lot of studio work, did some touring with a rock band. Uh, I taught music lessons and then my degree I was working on was music business. So I actually learned a lot of the principles of marketing and business and management and anything in that kind of realm 10 years ago in my first degree program. So now I just take that and I apply it to my physical therapy practice. Like I've known this stuff for 10 years, so it's not like new, any of it. Yeah. Wait, so how did you transition from music to, to PT? 
So actually, right out of high school, I was in Marine Corps ROTC initially. So I was planning on going to the Marine Corps. Um, I actually had a full ride scholarship to UC Berkeley, University of California, Berkeley, from the Marine Corps to be a pilot. Um, and that was my original plan was to go to the Marine Corps, get my degree, go to OCS and then basic school, get commissioned, go be a pilot, like fly airplanes and be cool, Marine Corps Tim. And like right before you would ship out, you have up until that point to kind of say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. And as a 17-year-old looking at a 12-year contract, I was like, mm, can't make a decision yet. I'm going to go to music school instead, which is like a way total disconnect with the Marine Corps world. And so I went to music school because like I'm 18 and playing music is fun. Why not make a job out of it? So I did that for a couple of years. Learned that I liked playing music. I did not like making a job out of it. And I did not really like the lifestyle of it. I'm not big at staying up at night or like, it just wasn't my, it just didn't feel right. It wasn't my favorite thing. What I really liked was my teaching job. I had a job teaching like, you know, poor youth in the hood of Boston free music lessons. And the school paid me to do that. It's like my favorite job. So like, I like teaching a lot. So I got out of music and I came back home and I wanted to be a science teacher because I love science, huge nerd. And I love teaching. Like every job I've ever had has been teaching, swimming lessons, teaching summer camp, teaching music. So I started on the path to start becoming a teacher, took science courses at the community college to get some prereqs. And along the way, realized that like the process of becoming a teacher and dealing with the bureaucracy of being a teacher, because my mom was one, was not what I wanted to sign up for. And it, they don't make a lot of money. And I was just like, ah, not a huge fan. So during this time, I was actually injured. I had, I had jacked up my shoulder doing swimming lessons, like teaching swimming and teaching diving. And I had a previous injury from doing gymnastics for 10 years. I dislocated my shoulder, gave myself, uh, you know, some torments, some tone rotary cup, bank uh, <laughs> heart lesion, and I had a shoulder reconstruction. And in the rehab process of going through that, I was introduced to physical therapy because uh, I was a patient. Still hadn't considered a career. So like, this is cool. I was taking my mom for her PT, and so I was taking I was taking a family member to PT and getting a dose of that, and being a patient, getting a dose of that, and was like, this is kind of cool. Let me start trying to do that a little bit. So I started volunteering at a clinic, uh, which is actually only three miles that way, is where I started volunteering at. Doing laundry, scrubbing the floors, cleaning up the trash, but soaking it all in. And I worked there. The volunteer for a little bit, and I got hired as an aide, and I just got paid minimum wage to do all that stuff. And I worked there for four years. And in that process, I was also working at a bike shop, I was working at the PT clinic, kind of like going through my undergraduate program in kinesiology, still trying to figure out what I kind of want to do. I graduated my degree, and I was um, I was engaged to be married. I met my wife working at the clinic. She was also an aide, and I had my son on the way, and I was like, I need some money now. I ain't got time to go to PT school for three years. So I tried to become a cop and I actually was really good at it. <laughs> I um, applied to all the departments. I like did the study, like worked out like crazy. And I made it to like the selection process for actually a couple departments. And then when it came like time where they like sit you down and kind of like pick who they're going to send to the academy, they picked another guy because he has a criminal justice degree and I had a kinesiology degree and they were like, go get your criminal justice degree and then we'll hire you. And I was like, you know what? My wife sat me down and was like, you're meant to go be a PT because you can like teach people and like you'll have this profession and like you, you said you wanted to do it. Like don't let the fact that we need money now get in the way. Like go to school, we'll make it happen. 
So I applied. I got into one school and one school only. It was the closest school to my house. So I went there. It was Western University of Health Sciences in Pomona, California. I went to school, PT school, <laughs> graduated last year in July or June. I don't know. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I think August 3rd was like the day you're actually done. August 3rd. So a year ago. I actually graduated a year ago, technically a year ago. And then took the boards in October 2018. Um, got my first job as a clinic director. My first job, clinic director for an urgent care called Concentra. It's like a nationwide chain um, in a place called Colton. And I got it. Yeah, brand new grad. I happened to weasel my way into this because I interviewed really well. And I have organizational leadership experience. And they needed someone to be in charge. I was like, I can lead anybody. Let's go in there. Had that job for six months. And got the clinic back on its feet, made it profitable, trained the staff to be autonomous, and then trained my replacement and then left on good, the good graces of my bosses. They loved me. Um, and then started like SoCal Bike BT full-time August 16th. And now it's August 19th or whatever today is. So here we are. Wow. <laughs> That's Dude. in a nutshell. Mind <laughs> you, I started, I started SoCal Bike BT August, or sorry, October 13th, 2017 as a student. I started my practice. Yeah. So what led you to do that? How did you decide to do this as a student? So I had any, any good, like entrepreneurial mindset is to view the current way things are done, see a potential way to either do it better or fill a gap that's needed. I saw this gap, which was like bike, like true, like true cyclists. Like you identify yourself as a cyclist. One of your like five identities. Like I'm a father, I'm a husband, uh, you know, I'm a cyclist is one. Like those kind of people are completely underserved by the PT community because it's a fancy, it's a niche. We think a certain way, we ride a certain way, like view our bodies a certain way, there's a culture behind it. And there's not a, spe- a lot of specialized training to serve those people. And I love these people because they're my people. I was like, why don't I build a practice that's built around serving my people? So I had this idea for SoCal Pike, which you kind of go in the back of my head. I'll wait till I'm out of school. I'll wait till I've worked a bunch. I'll wait till I've done some residencies and got real good. Like, you know, like normal student shit about doing that. And then Shante Cofield, the movement maestro, Dr. Shante Cofield, my fate, one of my favorite people in the world, came and spoke at my school and no clue who she was. So there's no pre-friend. She came and she spoke so much hot fire about being a healthcare entrepreneur and solving problems you see and serving the right people and building this life you want. And I was like, you're speaking my language. So I walked up to her afterwards and I said, hey, I have this idea to like serve bike riders and like make 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 a career out of it. Like like, Like when should I start this? Should I wait till after school? Should I wait till this? She was like, Start today. I was like, what the fuck do you mean start today? She's like, start today. Come up with a name, make an Instagram, start putting out your first posts, start sucking right away so you can start getting better today. So I went home that day and literally made an Instagram account off the top of my head. I was like, I'm gonna call it SoCal Bike PT because it's Southern California, it's bikes and it's PT. And I just started putting out content, stuff that I as a creative outlet. Uh, take a picture of my bike rides, edit it together, spend forever on a caption, put it out, and be like, oh, it's going to be cool, and wait for the likes to come. And it was just a creative outlet as a way for me to kind of like feel like I was working towards something 
while I'm going through the normal humdrum of the fat final year of PT school. I'm on rotation. I hated one of my rotations. I would escape by doing Soka Bike PT Instagram. Until someone actually asked for help. It was like, huh, like you actually want my help? Like you seem pretty knowledgeable. I was like, I'm a student. I legally can't practice PT with you. And then Danny Matei, my other amazing mentor of a PT Entrepreneur Podcast, Dr. Danny Matei, owner of Athletes Potential. He wrote a book called F Insurance, amazing book. He, I've been talking to him behind the scenes about all this, and he was like, dude, just have them come to your garage, call it personal training, just run them through some exercises, don't put your hands on them, and start getting some reps in and figuring out what it's like to work with these people. Charge them just a little bit so you, they're bought in. Like nothing's gonna like be any problem. Like you can report it on your taxes as like like whatever income. Like just start. So that week I had someone over. And they paid me eighty dollars cash to come to my garage for one hour. Mind you, it was my mother in law's garage. I was living at her house while I'm PT school with my kids. So I cleaned out a bunch of shit out of the way and like put bought a table for fifty bucks and put it down. It was like. Come on by to SoCal Bike PT garage and I'll do stuff with you. And I was freaking out. I was like, this is not PT. This is personal training, but I'm going to do everything. Put my, put my hands on you. Quickly realized like no one cares. They just want you to solve their problem. And very quickly I realized that I had a real knack for solving bike riders problems because I viewed them as a PT, which is treat a human being first and then put them on the bike. So I started treating people in the garage and that's how I started was seeing people in my mother-in-law's garage for cash under the table <laughs> initially. Kind of risky. I'm not going to lie. This is a very risky way of starting this out, but yeah. it got me started. I'm a person of action. And then when I graduated and got my PTLA status, licensed applicant, my other friend and mentor, Trevor Field, owner of Form and Function Physical Therapy in Ranch Cucamonga, California, said, Tim, get out of your garage. That, that is janky. Come in here. Use your PTLA status when I'm here. I'm going to be in my office anyways. Start treating people here. So I started just treating my same people in the garage out in the open clinic, out in the gym right here. And then that was started. That was my side hustle. Is I would just side hustle people for SoCal Bike PT while I was studying for boards. So I'd go to the library, study for boards. Take a break, drive around the corner from the library, see my one or two people here, make some cash on the side, just 1099 myself through form and function. And there we go. That's how I started my practice. Wow. <laughs> and then <laughs> um, back in March, this office, which was a storage unit office for broken equipment, became available. And I said, I'll take it. And they're like, cool. Well, you have to do all the reno yourself and everything. I was like, no problem. I can do construction. Renovated the whole thing myself. Paint, floorboards, turf, fixed all the lights, fixed the, fixed everything. And got it up and running. And now this is my office and my clinic. And I have a full schedule every week. I am like now pushing people a week out, two weeks out. It's full and it's gotten busier. And along the way, Instagram has been the catalyst to get me off the ground. Up until June, I have never gotten a patient that was not someone I found through Instagram. And is that something organically done? Hell yeah. Okay. Wow. Like, not not to like like be flashed like, oh, I've never paid for ads. No, I've never paid for ads. They never yes. had any ad budget. 
Like a smart person would say, I've never paid for ads. You'd be successful. Imagine how successful you could be paid for ads. I'm over here like, dude, I ain't got no budget for ads. Like, no, there was never any budget for ads. That was never a thing. So it was all organic. It was all just serving my audience on SoCal Bike BT to the T. Like literally listening to what they want, creating content, putting it out there, being likable, just being someone that they want to come work with, doing Instagram lives, being on the stories, putting a post out every damn day. I think I, I have not been perfect at that. So I'm at 299 posts today. I've had that Instagram account since October 13th. Do the math of how many days that is. And there was a period where I was on a rotation and kind of depressed and I didn't do anything for like three months, admittedly. But since then, I post something every single day. You have to show up, be consistent, present yourself as the preeminence and authority in this field and provide them with a lot of value and educate to them and just do that consistently over time. And with a following of, well, now 1,500, but I've had a following of less than 1,500 people and built a business out of it that actually pays my mortgage and bills. And I am the only breadwinner in my family. Like I have a house. It's over there. It's nice. I pay my bills and my only source of income is this. How do I do it? Instagram. Yeah. That's awesome. Like this is the day and age. This 21st century. You don't need to take a loan out to go into debt, to have a huge marketing budget, have staff members do all this for you. You don't have staff, automate it. You don't have a marketing budget, use social media. You need a loan, don't. Find a way. The turf that's on the ground right here, I finagled this patch of turf from a used roll of turf from the building owner. I found it out back under a tarp. I went to the building owner and said, hey, can I have 165 square feet of that? You're going to throw in the trash anyway. He's like, yeah, do your thing. Came in, cut it, put it in. Paint, leftover paint from my house. Found it, you know, sold some stuff from my garage. I didn't need to pay for all this other stuff in here. I'm in zero debt for my business. There's no debts. Mm-hmm. Like this is the model now that you can do as a therapist. What I learned in school, how they started the school start your own project was like, start with your hundred thousand dollar bank loan. I was like, Whoa, that's where you start at. Like, I'm sorry. No, like be a smart entrepreneur, put constraints on yourself and then solve the problem. That's what you have to do. My constraint was you have literally 300 to $500 to get your business off the ground. Go. How are you going to do it? Cool. Well, $200 table, that's out. 80 bucks in renovation supplies. Spend the rest on like a few little pieces of equipment. And then the rest is all email marketing, talking to human beings and being hungry and having this urgency that if you don't get after it, you go hungry next week. And I've reached that point multiple times <laughs> Right. and nothing lights a fire under your ass. Like looking at your bank app and realizing, cool, I run out of money Friday. <laughs> nothing lights a fire like that. So you spend some nights up all night long implementing the strategy that you set aside. And then you find creative ways to get people. And slowly but surely it becomes more predictable and you systemize that. So you go from hustle marketing to systemized email and digital marketing. And that's where I'm at now. It's a lot more sustainable and I'm a lot less stressed finally. Sure. Dude, that's an amazing story. I want to go back because 
You, and, and one of the ways I found out about you is, you, I think you posted a video, I want to say it was, I don't, I don't remember, it might have been like February or March, but you were basically saying how you were making that, that full transition into uh, SoCal Bike PT. And, oh, yeah. and one, of the, one of the things that you mentioned that I didn't even think about, and maybe other people haven't either, is the fact that you kind of, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, you kind of supplemented uh, that, those initial stages of SoCal Bike PT with, with home health. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there was a point where I had three jobs. I was the clinic director for Concentra in Colton, California. I did home health on my way home on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then Mondays and Wednesdays, I came after work and came here to SoCal Bike PT. We're in like 80 hour weeks for a short period there because there's a, like what you do, it's a numbers game. Like, okay, revenue stream. I made this much for my salary. I'm making this much from home health. I'm making this much for SoCal Bike PT. I literally reached a point where I calculated and you have to reverse engineer success. So I went and said, I need this many dollars of profit per month in my bank account. How can I split that? How can I get rid of my full-time job and supplement that with home health and SoCal Bike PT? And what's the revenue split? So when I first started off, it was like 80% home health, 20% SoCal Bike PT. So like uh, there was a time there where I would see seven or eight home healths a day. Monday, oh, so it was like Tuesdays and Thursdays and like Wednesday mornings. It was like, like boom, 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 like squeeze in 20 home health visits a week, which gave me the time control to then schedule my SoCal Bike PT people. And I was just hustling between all of them. I would see someone right here. Bye. As soon as they left, run to my car and drive to an appointment and walk in and be like, hey, what's up? I'm here from Home Health and doing the charting on my phone. And it was freaking nuts. But you have to have some way to kind of bridge that. There's two ways of doing this. There's the side hustle method where you have your side hustle and you slowly wean yourself off your real job and you're now, your side hustle becomes your day job kind of thing. Or there's the burn the shifts method, which is like quit everything and go all in on your thing. And you're going to be starving for a little bit. But slowly it'll pick up. I have a family of five. I'm the only income. Couldn't do that. But home health allowed me to bridge the gap there. Until the point where as of July and August, I've done home health since July 9th. And I don't want to do it anymore. I'm done. <laughs> wow. I did it. Did it. Good. It's a cool gig. I'm out. No more since July 9th. And that's a relatively short period of time. So I did not expect that to happen. No, that was... Um, it's kind of weird. Like I eternally feel like I'm a bit behind where I want to be, but then I talk to other people and they're like, and I hate this to go like, you're blowing up, you're killing it. You're super, you're, you're, you're like super fast. And I'm like, I don't feel that way like at all. But if I sit back timeline wise and look at it actually is pretty fast, which kind of scares me because things that come fast leave you fast. And I don't want that. So I'm always kind of like, cautious about how quickly things grow because it's very easy to grow without the support and then you implode. And I don't want that. I want, or I want this sustainable growth that each evolution, you can build the things in place. I went through that first evolution when I quit my other jobs and started doing SoCal Bike PT and home health. Then the next evolution, which is more recent since we met at SSPT 
is more like, how do I mature as a business owner? Because right now, and I'll admit, I'm still a very dumb business owner. People go to, people get full educations in just business and I have none. So like catching up on all of that has been a massive passion project. I read a lot, learn a lot. I talk to and get mentored by as many freaking people as possible to help me close the gap and condense and elapse and then like collapse time so that in one year I can accomplish what takes people five years. That's the goal. Yeah. So you've had all this rapid growth, but yet you still feel like you're behind. Like, why is that? Josh is because my vision is massive. When your journey is a thousand miles and you get 10 miles in, like it still seems that much further. Like my, my, and I think my favorite quote that like Greg Todd from SSBT talks about is he says, you're either defined by the memory of your past or the vision of your future. You need that vision first. And that vision is also at the end of the day is, is basically what is your legacy. Like what do you want to leave as a lasting impact on this earth? When people hear your name or your brand, what will they associate as the impact you've had on the world? So my vision for SoCal Bike BT is massive. My goal is to fundamentally change my world. And that's the world of cycling. That's the world of anyone who rides bikes. So that this activity, I believe, the bicycle is the best vehicle to achieve self-actualization through. And I, I firmly believe that. So like SoCal Bike PT is just the start. This is just me learning and gathering intelligence and listening to the people of what they need and want. And then beyond here, it's creating an entire system and platform and like countrywide, worldwide thing so that people who ride bikes have the support to stay healthy with it. They have the other ancillary services to be fulfilled in the other parts of their lives, everything from healthy relationships to stress management to food to whatever. And then I want to be the face of that whole thing. So until, until my brand and what my mission is to build better bike riders, until that mission is spread across the country and the world, I'm not there yet. So in con- so in, in comparison to that massive grand vision, like my vision was never just to like be a solo practitioner in my own office and say, I made it. If that was the case, it would have stopped. My vision is beyond this. It's legacy of the Wu family name that you'll know. That like Tim Wu and his business and his brands that he built served so many riders in the community of bike riding around the world that he changed the entire culture so that people are not getting hurt. They're living their best lives through this vehicle and they're actually having a huge impact on the world through this thing. This is just the beginning. And the vision is still kind of forming, but that's why I always feel behind because I'm chasing this crazy grandiose thing that I I don't know if I'll ever actually get to. But if I don't have a goal that's kind of almost unattainable, like what's the point? If the goal is just to build out an office and like start seeing enough people a month to make ends meet, done, success, let's go home. And that's not for me. Like that's easy. Like just get it done. That's been That's been repeated. You can see that done. I can name 10 people who've done exactly what I've done. I want to do something no one ever done. And because of that, I always feel like I'm behind and I'm trying to drive towards that. So do you have competition in your area as far as what you're doing right now? No, I sell in a vacuum. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not a commodity. So my competition is, well, I don't have any competition because you can't replace me and you can't replace what I do. I don't compete with other PT practices because I don't sell PT. Okay. Like never, never once. I mean, maybe a couple times. I never talk about physical therapy in anything I do. I market, and I the message I speak to people with is: I am a problem solver. I am a facilitator of transformation. I'm someone who can take this deep rooted problem that's affecting your life and give you a workable, digestible, practical solution. It's not, it's not a sell in a vacuum. I don't want people to compare me to anything else. I actually have people who use their insurance for physical therapy. It's one of my guys I saw yesterday or last week who uses his PT visits through his insurance to go to PT and also pays out of pocket to come see me because he doesn't view us as PTs that are competing. He views me as SoCal Bike PT who's going to help make him the best bike rider ever and teach him how to do it along the way and empower himself to stay injury free and enjoy the favorite thing he loves to do in his world. And he has a PT who makes his shoulder move a little bit. Like that's how he views that and that's intentional. I don't ever want someone to price shop or compare me to anyone else. So they'll do it all the time. They're like who's the PT clinic you compete with in your area? And I go, every PT clinic if they want to go get PT, but I'm much more than that. And the people who come go through my marketing messages and when they, they right away, they realize this is a bit different. And so because of that, my people are loyal. Like, you know, do you want happy customers or do you want loyal customers? I don't care about happy customers. I want loyal because loyalty weathers all storms. Happy will be the first time one little thing goes wrong. You shop for another clinic. It also takes your in-network insurance. You're a commodity. I'm not a commodity. My people, I can hold their feet to the fire and be like, you're letting yourself down. And they're not going to be like, I'm going to go find another therapist. They're going to be like, damn it, you're right. Let's do this. And because we have that deeper relationship, because I built a practice, you can build a practice three ways. You can build a business three ways. You can compete on price, innovation, and relationships. I'm not cheap. I didn't invent anything new. Just your general PT who knows a lot about bike riding. But the relationships we build are freaking nuts. This is why I got signed jerseys like everywhere <laughs> in my office. There's knickknacks up here that people give me because I they feel like I'm their friend. That relationship is no, I don't have competition. And if I do, I would find them and I would collaborate with them because I will preach this to the end of time. There are two sides and two groups of people. These people need help. These people can help. There's a lot of these people, not so many of these here. Quit bickering between us and competing. That's a bunch of bullshit. Find creative ways to collaborate to serve these people. If you chase the competition money part of it, we all lose, they all lose. If you collaborate together to find the best way to make an impact and provide value to all the people, there's plenty. Just here in Southern California, just in LA, there's what, 3.2 million people? Per capita, there's like, what, 100,000 people per every licensed therapist in Southern California? There's more people than I could possibly ever see in my whole lifetime. I need to compete with anyone. I need a small group of very loyal people who love me and want to come do whatever I do. That will sustain me and do everything I ever need. So anyone that's a competitor of mine, I don't compete with them. I partner. 
Mm. So I have strategic partnerships with all these people out there who are also serving the same group of people. And instead of like being like, oh, don't go to him. I'm better. It's we together can help you the best. And that's my MO. And it works really well, really well. I think that makes a lot of sense because you're really putting yourself on your own little island. Whereas Sell in a vacuum. Yeah, that's that's impressive because, you know, you, you drive down the street and all you ever see is physical therapy, physical therapy, physical therapy. But a lot of times, even if you go on their Facebook page, you go on the if they sell uh, send out mailings, it's always about we provide the physical therapy, but they don't elaborate on what that really means, because there's still this big, uh, not controversy, but kind of cloud on what PT does. No one, nobody knows what physical therapy is. Mm -hmm. I challenge, if someone challenged me to this, it's the best. Go to a gas station while you're filling up, talk to the next guy over there, hey, just a random question for you, do some market research. What's physical therapy? And they'll be like, oh, uh, like that's uh, maybe something after you have surgery, when you walking again. Like the, the, the average person's idea of what we as physical therapists do, zero. Us as physical therapists, we can't even define what we do, zero. People do not buy stuff. They don't know what it is. That's simple. So selling physical therapy is freaking stupid. No one knows what it is. No one knows the problems it solved. No one gets any perceived value from it. The word physical therapy means I have insurance for that. Someone will pay for it. No, that like if that's the route you want to go, fantastic. But I'm not in that game. I don't market the service because no one cares about the service. Only care about that you can effectively solve their problem. That's it. Your patients will go see a shaman, shaman, shaman. A medicine man, a doctor, um, like a massage therapist, they'll see hardly anyone if they can guarantee <laughs> that they will get rid of their problem on the timeline that they say they will. They do not care. As soon as you realize that, you swallow that pill and own it instead of be like, but, but I have a doctorate. No one cares about your doctorate. People, people, I had people like, you're, you're a PT, right? I go, I have a doctor of physical therapy. Yes, I am. They go, Oh, cool. Can you solve my thing? And I go, yes, I can. I straight up had one of my patients tell me, he's like, to be honest, I honestly just view you as a very expensive personal trainer. And I'm like, cool. Well, here's your bill. And he's like, cool, pay for it. I was like, you can view me however the hell you want. Still solves your problem. Because at the end of the day, and this, everyone needs to hear this. I don't know who is going to listen to this, but maybe you need to hear this. People coming in the door, they're not buying PT. They're never buying PT. No one buys PT. PT is dumb. Don't buy that. People are buying, ready? They're buying accountability. They're buying understanding. They're buying hope. They're buying empowerment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're buying you. As soon as you get that out of your head, when I sell services to someone, I literally write down on my notes for myself, I'm selling them accountability. That person, my guy today at 12, he literally just pays for the time to come in to do the things that he, he already knows. He knows. He's a smart guy. He's got money. He just hasn't have, he doesn't have time and discipline. He pays me to come in at 12 to run him through the exercises that he will not do at home and gladly and happily pays for that. Is that PT? Traditionally, they'd be like, oh, 
No, you want to send them home and do their home program. It's unethical to have them come in there. And I go, why the hell not? I want my patient to get his best outcomes, but he needs his accountability. So he comes in and does it. That's that person. So they're not selling PT. Selling PT is dumb. Sell solutions to problems. And when you start selling solutions, all of a sudden the doors open. You can sell solutions to any problem. Any problem. That's the entrepreneur's burden, the entrepreneur's opportunity. Is if there's a problem, find a solution to it that people will happily pay for and it's ethical, you will be successful and happy. And that's what I do is just create services to fill people's needs. Okay. Yeah, so if someone were to like walk, walk up to you and be like, what do you do? And you had to like summarize that in like 20 seconds or less, what would you say to them? Depends who's asking me. Okay. If it's a complete stranger, completely outside of my world, I just tell them I'm a physical therapist. I never even mm. go into it. What do you do, Tim? I'm a PT. Oh, cool. Yeah. What do you do? Like, I like, you know, rehab people from injuries and stuff. Fun gig. That's it. No need to go down that rabbit hole. But if I'm talking to people who kind of know me a little bit more, as I hate Tim, what do you do? I literally just say, I solve problems. Okay. That's it. I'm a problem solver. Three words, baby. <laughs> I solve problems. Or a little bit further, I say, I build better bike riders. That's it. Build better bike riders. You want to be one? Okay, cool. So, yeah, I I kind of, you know, if I was to throw identities on it, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a physical therapist, I'm a problem solver, I'm a marketer, I'm an athlete and an okay one, but I'm getting better. Like, these are all identities that, like, I think as PTs, we hang on to the PT identity so much and confine ourselves in this little, like, I'm a PT box. That's not PT. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's that's something else. No, no, I'm sorry. I can't do that. No, 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 no. No. You, it, it was, it was within your practice act. I'm not going to go cut people open. <laughs> but basically everything almost falls within that. Like, I can write a four-month strength and conditioning program for one of my guys and sell it to him for $1,000. Just did that because I can and you can. And is it PT? Maybe that gray area, like we live in the gray area. This is the renaissance of the healthcare entrepreneur. You can find a space and own it and it lives in the gray. I love that. I don't want to be locked down into some kind of traditional model. I want to be able to do whatever the hell I want. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I do. Solve problems as a PT and an entrepreneur. Simple as that. I like it. So when someone, so, so walk me through, because uh, I kind of want to know what your process is when you do see people, because you're, you're a problem solver. So let's say I'm a biker, I got some knee pain, and I'm coming to you. What, what am I to expect from you when I, when I walk into your clinic? So if this has been done right, I already know everything about you before you've walked in. Mm-hmm. I've got a website that works with, that works. My website is my employee. So if you found me on Instagram, you want to come see me or on, on, on my website and you go through there, literally walks you through what's going on, what to expect, all this stuff. And there's a call to action button. You hit that, there's a form to fill out. It intentionally takes a long time. You can't be bothered to fill out a 10 minute form. You're not worth my time to come in and spend two hours with. I'm sorry. That's the first test. Fill out the form. I know, I basically know everything from that form before you walk in. Fills out the form, you automatically books you for an appointment, you come on in. And then um, once you get in there, 
if you're in my evaluation, my comprehensive like cycling performance evaluation, two hours. I use every minute of it because I believe in what we do is we expose, <laughs> we educate, and we empower. I will expose everything you already kind of know is wrong in brutally vulnerable detail. That's your standard PT exam. Movement analysis, my go-to for bike riders, body weight squat, single leg balance, single leg squat, same, like step up from those things. I know everything. I also get them on the bike, on the trainer right here. I use my smartphone, take some slow-mo stuff and show them like, hey, you see that crazy little thing? That's a part of it. You see that you can't balance on one leg? That's a part of it. I slowly help them walk through the idea that, oh, these are why I'm having this problem. These are why I'm having pain. I don't never want to be some guru. Very easy to do a 15-minute eval. Watch your single leg squat. It's your subjective. I know your problem. Pattern recognition. I'm a PT. Got it. That's not my MO. I want to build relationships. I spend two hours educating them to the gills. So when they leave, they're fundamentally smarter and know more than they when they came in here. Then that eval, we go through everything, get to the source of the problem, and then I jump right into treatment. People don't come to PT for, for a diagnosis. They come for treatment. They come to PT. They come to get better. No one wants to be told what's wrong and then leave. They want to have something to start doing. And in that process, they leave with their initial kind of home program. It's all pictures of them. It's all beach on on it. It's, it's all personal. And I'll like, I, I'll write like little thought bubbles and put like, can't wait to ride my bike again. Like fun little things like that. It's my personality. They love that. And, and that's kind of how my eval goes. It's the secret is it's the standard orthopedic eval I learned in school. Remarketed as this two hour comprehensive cycling evaluation it's $350 and I sell them like hotcakes when I worked as a staff PT at a clinic I made $34 an hour net my household mm-hmm. doing the same exact skill make this brand make my own office market it better prove my authority my preeminence show the value on it and you can charge here the price is the price is the price. It doesn't change. Not a high price, not a low price. The price is the price. It's up to you to show so much value that everyone looks at that and goes, that's a steal. That's the secret. And that when I learned that right away and I made my eval $350, now I sell them like hotcakes and my conversion of packages is never been better. So the average value of someone walking in the door is $350 plus a $1,497 package. That's what? $1,850 ahead walking in the door. And it's just a numbers game. That's how we go. Because at the end of the day, there's no, I'm not going to be the cheapest thing. So I intentionally make it, you know, what I view as expensive. Once you find out real quick, not that expensive. It's giving someone their life back. I literally had a guy tell me like, the reason he's not falling back into depression or relapsing on his alcoholism rehab is because he can go ride his bike. Take that away. His life is literally ruined. $1,800 is kind of a cheap price ticket to not have your life ruined forever. Here we go. Like the value is through the roof. You're not wincing at paying that much. You and I, like $1,800 to me, I wouldn't pay for that because I don't have that problem and I know how to solve that myself. Mm-hmm. We can solve that big, deep problem. The, the price now is, becomes a steal every time. And it's our burden as the marketers and the PT providers to empower our people to understand that value. So if you get frustrated, someone's not... Biting and not buying, 
because you haven't shown them enough value. That's it. Everything's everything at the price is valuable. I'm sure Warren Buffett buying another hundred million dollar yacht. Well, I got a good deal on it. He's a lot of value from it because it's got actually you know, like there's always some way to increase the value that the price doesn't matter. Yeah. So it sounds like from what you from what you say, it's almost like conventional PT clinics. Obviously, they have their exam that they do. But really what you emphasize and what makes you so valuable and, you, and your brand so valuable is the, the education and the empowerment that you provide that probably not a lot of conventional insurance-based clinics do. Because you can't bill for patient education and you can't see a person. These are big, scary health issues that people are thinking they need like medication and surgery and the nuclear option off the bat. I can take them from that headspace to feeling empowered and having hope for the rest of their like life in two hours, but it takes that much time. You can't do that in a four unit billing thing. Well, I got 53 minutes to like, like learn this person's inside and out, diagnose their problem, treat them, teach them how their body works, empower them to make changes in their life. So like, no, you can't do that 53 minutes. And I also have five more patients simultaneously. You cannot do that. So it depends. I took a stand. I wanted to build my practice and my services based around relationships, teaching my people. Because at the end of the day, I'm a PT and I'm a bike rider. I get hurt. I have a superpower. I can know what's wrong, treat myself. It's no problem. I'm back on the bike two days later. That's a superpower that people out there will pay to have if you can teach it to them. And so I tell them, I tell every patient they laugh. I said, hey, welcome. You're in my world now. I'm going to make you as hard to kill as possible. And they go, what? I'm like, trust me when I mean that. I'm going to make you as hard to kill as possible. I'm going to teach you how to troubleshoot all this stuff. I'm going to teach you everything I know. So the next time this happens, you go, oh, that's what's happening. Implement A, B, and C. I'm not a problem anymore. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Isn't that great? That's what I want to do. And then they're happy for it. And if they come back, fantastic. But if not, now I have someone out there and I'm bringing the next one. There's tons of people out there. But empower people to take care of themselves. And the collective health literacy of the people rises so people aren't freaking out and getting unnecessary surgeries and pain meds and injections and shit that we all complain about we want to stop. You know how you stop people choosing those options? Educating them to the point where they can make an informed decision about those options. That's it. That's it. This stuff isn't scary. It's not that hard. You can teach anyone this stuff, and that's my best gift. So I can connect with people. I can teach them anything. And I leverage that to make the best bike riders possible. Yeah. You're killing it, dude. Um, (laughs) I don't feel like it, but it's uh, good to hear sometimes. Yeah. So I am curious because it seems like – I feel like I'm – several steps behind you, which I like because when I yeah. kind of see the stuff that you do, I'm like, okay, it kind of, it kind of pushes me forward a little bit. Kind of like I was talking about earlier when you did that video, how you were going all in on SoCal Pike BT. I love seeing oh, yeah. all that stuff. So I'm curious, I see a lot of entrepreneurs and people, not just in the PT realm, but just in general. And there's always like this, this point where they're not sure if they're going to make it where they're like, Oh God, did I, did I screw up? Did I, was this the wrong choice? Did you ever have a moment like that when you were first starting out? Or maybe even just a difficult I had that moment. I had 
I've had that moment many times. I had that moment the most hardcore a month ago. Really? Like literally four weeks ago, I <laughs> within, and I'm learning this the hard way, but it's, it's just, it's a lesson I've learned from people who are steps ahead of me. It's like for every <laughs> evolution you kind of make, especially early on, there's always the temptation to go back to some kind of safe thing, like go do staff PT work for the clinic I'm like kind of associated with or like jump shit. Like I had that moment where like revenue got a little stagnant and my daughter was being born. I started to freak out and I was like, I got to like start adding different things in that are distractions that are safe. Doing some like PRN PT work here for another clinic, like doing some marketing consulting work here, like, like other things that are not my main mission. So I get pulled away from that. Because you reach that point where the temptation to go back to some easier thing is there. <clears throat> and actually, it was Danny Matei, again, my one of my favorite dudes, who called me and was like, dude, don't do it. You're on the cusp of that next evolution. Stay the course. Double down on the stuff you already know works. The, and GT talks about this too. The moment you let fear and doubt creep into your mind, you already lost. And I let fear and doubt creep into mind just for a damn minute and it ruined me for two weeks straight. I just sat around depression, didn't train, was like lollygagging all the stuff here, like was not serving my people until I got the next kick in the pants and it was like, okay, it reaffirmed, I'm doubled down all in and I got after it. And what helps is I got the reward from that relatively quickly. Like I closed a couple of deals there in the pipeline and they were a proof of concept to myself. And every day I wake up and I go, oh shit, I got myself into this. <laughs> and I'm learning now, I was just talking to GT this morning about engineering a sense of urgency within your practice. So like anyone out there when you're on that journey, the first time that you get to the point where it's like, oh shit, I don't eat next week unless I hustle and close down some deals or I, I don't make rent next month. That feeling, like your, your little heart will drop. Go, and that fear and that drop right there, that feeling, if you can engineer and condition yourself to have that feeling on command, nothing is more powerful to kick your ass into your and get it done. In June, I had a real good month. Real good. I got comfortable. I sat back in July. I was like, I made a bunch of money in June. And it all went and gone. And I had nothing in the pipeline yet. And that's when I started to go, oh my God, I got to jump shit. This didn't work. And so I realized in June was all sporadic hustle style marketing. Nothing was systemized. I randomly got people, had no clue where I got them from. By luck, closed them all on deals, had a big old cash influx, but did not repeat it in July. And I was like, oh, the proof was in June, not repeated in July. So then my thing was like, I need to make a predictable version of what I had in June. And August is the first time that I have made a predictable version of June. I fell short of the revenue goal, but I did meet the goal that I had like six or I got to do my numbers on the end of the month. I had six new people. They're complete strangers generated by my website who went through an automated sales funnel who booked themselves who closed without me doing anything except call them once and see them in here. Everything was built out as an automated system. 
is the first time that happened. And now I'm like, okay, now I'll just, now I'll just make the system more powerful. That's it. So I have those moments. I've had those moments multiple times. And every time they come, I fall back on the vision that I have, <laughs> the founding principles of my business. And I talk to the people I talk to every time I freak out. I talk to Shantae Cofield. I talk to Danny Matei. I talk to my SSPT ambassador, Kevin DeGroat. I talk to Jordan Mather, PT Misfits, and I talk to GT. And I each time I tell them, like, you got to talk me off a ledge, talk me off a ledge. And that's why you want those people so that when you hit those moments and you say, talk me off a ledge, they'll do it because you've already committed to doing this. And we don't, there's so many, few, few, so few of us do this that we have to band together and give that person a pep talk. So I talk to people who are a few steps ahead of me and say, you're there. I thought I'd never get, you know, like where I'm at right now, I thought I would not get to until a year in. True story. Wow. Like the revenue I'm generating, doing this full time, I thought this would be a year from now. And it's August. And I was like, yes. <laughs> That's impressive. Jeez. So like what, so you have this global, you want basically international reckon, you want to transform the bike community. So like, I want to change the world. Yeah. So what's, what's next, change the world. what's next for you then? Like, how do you, how do you see that? Where, where's like the next couple of years? Where do you see this going? The principle is right now I'm a one-to-one service. I see you, you see me, service done, impact made, that's it. Mm-hmm. My one-to-many reach is the next thing. It's slowly but surely building community behind my mission and message, which is to build better bike riders. That means building better humans first, having better humans understanding what this bike riding thing is and why we do it, and becoming a more sustainable model for treating these people and supporting these athletes that just doesn't exist. The next steps are, and in works, my Facebook group, Cycling Performance and Injury Support Group. That's a start. Next is online courses and products to take my knowledge and information and turn that into a digital version of where you can work with me. The best thing ever would be working with me one-on-one for weeks on end. That's a limited number of those. Not everyone can do that. Can you get 100% of that effect? No. Can you get 95% of that effect with an online version? Yes. That's the next one. Then what I'm really excited to do is I'm the official physical therapist for a cycling team called Legion of Los Angeles, which if you're in the cycling world is one of the best brand new cycling teams in the country that has like the national champion and like all these pros who are like changing the name face of the sport. So I'm trying to change it from the bottom up with them by creating, like we're making this entire new team that has me as part of it. It's kind of promoting the idea. It's like cool and normal to go see someone about the pain you're having on a bike who actually knows what they're doing. Like that's just not part of the culture. So I'm changing that by being like, hey, I'm the therapist for this team of guys. They kick your ass every week. You want to know why? Follow me on Instagram and see the stuff we do. That's why they own you every week. That's one way of doing it. So I'm slowly but surely getting my message out there. But the longer term thing is this entire platform that every single bike rider in the country, when they start riding recreationally, knows, hey, you want the SoCal Bike PT program? You're not? What's wrong with you, man? Do you want your knees to give out on you or live in pain all the rest of your damn life? Get on the program. I started it. It's changed my life. That's the conversation I want to have every time someone meets someone else who bike rides with. That's great. Every, every single one. 
Because when you do that and you have happier, healthier people on bikes, the effect of the proximity in their lives is greater. They have better relationships. They're happier marriages. They're better parents for their kids. They're healthier. They use less sick days. They work better because their mind's in the right place. They're more fulfilled because they have friends. They want to give back to the community because it's right there. You can heal the world by getting more people on bikes and more people in the community doing it. True story. And that's the mission. Heal the world. (laughs) Heal the world. Heal the damn world. And bikes can take (laughs) you there. It's proven. It'll take you there. You'll live longer. You'll look sexier naked. You'll have a uh, hobby you can do until the day you die. And you'll build a community of lifelong friends that are do or die. My best friends, my favorite people to this day are all bike riders. Mm -hmm. And they all have their hands in different things. They're sales associates. They're business owners. They're professional athletes. They're retired folks. I have friends who are 66. I have friends who are 15. I know all of them. And cycling brings us together. And that's the world that I want to fundamentally change forever. Yeah. Well, dude, I think you're going to get there. Your passion is absolutely evident. Like, just your videos, you're you're always, like, in it. And I just, I love it. Your passion's there. Your your motivation is there. Like, I have no doubt that you're just going to be this (laughs) global entity. Uh, I I want to finish with... You know, really that a lot of the target of this podcast is, you know, a lot of it's just for my, my journal and how I progress with, with my entrepreneurship. Um, but really the other target is really for, for helping people who are kind of just starting out. So if you had to give maybe two or three pieces of advice, kind of like the biggest things that you thought were the most helpful for you when, when starting out, what do you, what do you think they would, they would be? It's simple. Um, First is you have to have vision. Without vision, everything you do is pointless, period. When I mean vision, you have to be able to think about where you, like literally the exercise, like 10 years from now, what do you want to feel like, be doing, eating, living, lifestyle, how people feel like, envision your future first. Without that, you're just, you're just toiling. That's the, the vision part. The second thing is it's easy to have vision and have an idea about what you want to go do. And you build your dream. It's implementation that gets it done. Mm. Period. My thing is default relentless. Write that down. And it was default relentless. I stole this from like the Marine Corps and the Navy SEALs. They talk about this all the time. They, they want to be in combat default aggressive. You get off your default aggressive. You're not like, oh, what should we do? It's attack first and solve problems as you go. Dominate the battlefield, get the upper hand on your enemy, and you will win. Default relentless is, I don't care if you're up all night with your newborn, you're tired, you're hungover, you're thirsty, you had a setback, you had a win, you made a million dollars, you lost a million dollars. You need to relentlessly be working on the next Default relentless, you get that ingrained in your soul and you do that day after day after day after day after day after day after day, day, you'll have smashing success like Dr. Tim Wu. Because I'm default relentless. I don't give a shit if I slept four hours last night or made $10,000 yesterday or lost four grand. I'm still going to wake up tomorrow, be as relentless as I was the last day, win, lose, or draw. 
And people can do that for a week or two, but then it gets hard to do and they stop posting on Instagram. They stop following up and they're not relentless and they start blaming something else. The third thing, which is the other thing is you have to take extreme ownership over every single thing in your life. Read the book Extreme Ownership by Jacob Willink and Leif Babbitt. I've read it probably 20 times, and it's the principles of leadership that I use to guide every single thing I do. Recommendation. Have vision, be default relentless, exercise extreme ownership over everything in your life and everything you do. These three things never change. Whether you made zero dollars this month or you're a millionaire, those three things I've learned from dissecting other people will get you there every time. I love it, man. Where can, <laughs> where can people find you, bro? Uh, yeah, so on Instagram, I am at SoCalBikePT, S-O-C-A-L-B-I-K-E-P-T. Uh, on the interwebs, I'm www.SoCalBikePT.com. On Facebook, same thing, SoCal Bike PT. If you're also an injured cyclist, uh, go to the Cycling Performance and Injury Support Group on there. But the website is the hub for everything. If you go to SoCalBikePT.com, you can access everything I've ever done or need to learn about. And then I'm accessible. Like, literally, I reply to emails. Uh, if you're a student and you hit me up, I ask any students. I actually reply back. It's for someone for a research project. Ask me questions. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll fill out your thing. And um, it's important that on the way up, I don't forget the people below to rise them up. Cause like I said, we're still on the same mission or people who can help. And so like, I'm stoked for you that like, you're like one step behind me and like, you see where I'm at and maybe it seems a little unattainable, but like I was you nine months ago, right? like literally not like, like Christmas time. I was like side hustling. I had my day job. I hadn't even quit and done this thing full time. If you've quit the same down full time, that was me August, uh, April 16th. How many months ago was that? Six months? Right. You know? Five months? Like five months. How was you five months ago? Five months ago. That's nothing. Where are you going to be at the end of the year? Who knows? Where am I going to be at the end of the year? I don't know. Hopefully a lot, lot better than this. So we'll see. That's true. Yeah. This is my last week of full time work. So I, I, <laughs> So I'm in that boat. I'm in that boat where it's just a, it's that big transition point now. And uh, yeah. like you said, the fire is on and it's hot, but that's good though. And good. When it kind of takes its first douse of water of struggle, there's two, there's two stories, struggle and progress. No, this, anytime you're struggling, it seems impossible. The degree of struggle is directly related to the degree of progress. If you fucking struggle down to your core where you think you're going to literally fail and die and be homeless know that a reciprocal amount of struggle of progress is on the way. And I've witnessed it a couple times and went, Oh my God, it's so true. I've gone from like, I can't make the mortgage next month to like, boom, baby, we're getting a new couch. Like <laughs> literally like that happened. Probably should have bought the couch, but I am way more comfy sitting up my family now. So I'm stoked on that. But yeah, I'm proud of you, Josh. You're making the right moves and you're doing it the right way by asking the right people for the right support. As soon as you forget that there's a community of people who want to help you, you're screwed. Don't forget those people. Yeah. Oh, shit, I gotta go. Okay, all right. Thank you so much, Tim. Thanks for coming on. Uh, for those listening, check out Tim Wu right now. All right, take care, man. Have a great night. <laughs>